Hey there, everybody. This is Scott Grimes. I play Gordon Malloy on the Orville, and you are listening to the Planetary Union Network Orville Fan Podcast. Dig it! This is Geek Punk. A Google Media Production. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Planetary Union Network, the Orville Fan Podcast. I'm one of three co-hosts, Joe Quickle, but abnormally, I am the only one here right now. Dan and Michael couldn't make it, and we had an interview that Dan and I did last night with the Orville Visual Effects crew that we couldn't hold off getting out to you. So without rambling any further, go grab your favorite beverage, sit back, and enjoy. Unless you're driving and you probably don't want to do, <laughs> you probably don't want to do part of that. Still enjoy it, though. All right, we are talking with the crew from Building 310 on the Fox lot. This is where the visual effects are housed. And with us, we've got Luke McDonald, visual effects supervisor. Brandon Fayette, are you visual effects supervisor as well? I'm the digital effects supervisor, and then um, the Swain, most of I do some of the shit design. Yeah, Brandon, Brandon is, in essence, my second. And he he takes over when I can't be any be somewhere, and he's he's but he's on par with being a visual effects supervisor. But hierarchy uh, obviously states that he can't have the same title. So I make sure. So yeah. So Luke, when you say we're going to do it this way, and then he waits till you leave the room, then he looks at everybody else and goes, "No, we'll just do it this way. Don't worry about it." Right? You know what? You know he's actually pretty good about not doing that. There has been a couple <laughs> where he's. He's definitely wanted to do his own thing, which is completely fine. Uh, and it often works out for the better, but it, it doesn't happen often. It really doesn't. Brandon and I, uh, a little backstory. Uh, Brandon and I have been working together. Oh, now we're going on six years with Orville, pretty much. Uh, but before that, we, Brandon and I both worked at uh, Bad Robot for J.J. Uh, Abrams. And uh, that's where I met Brandon, that's where I worked with Brandon, that's where Brandon and I really clicked together and, you know, just really fed off each other's energy about anything, any type of, you know, creative type, uh, be it visual effects or even shooting methodology of how we shoot stuff. Uh, we, we, we play off each other's strengths and each other's weaknesses, and it really, really makes a, a solid team where the... the uh, the effects that we're putting out are very, very constant, and the continuity is very, very correct because we all, you know, especially Brandon and I, have such a, 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 a tight link to what we're actually doing and what whatever project we're on, we always uh, have this tight link. And then there's Brooke, who's our new visual effects uh, producer, who's starting for season two, and she's awesome. Yeah, we agree. Brooke Nasca, <laughs> you're, you're the rookie of the group, right? Do you yeah, know that? Big time. All right, Brooke, move close to the phone so you can talk. Yeah, say words. Hi, everybody. Hello, Brooke. Did they tell you the horror horror stories about how they used to not have any ice in that building? Yes. Oh, that's, that's my ice maker that Tom and I bought. Well, I bought it and then Tom put it with me, but it's just because we need ice. That fucking thing, I swear to God, it's got a sticker on it that says, 
the Tom and Brandon Memorial Ice Maker. And I asked Tom why it's a memorial, because we're not exactly dead. <laughs> so, you guys, right now, everybody else is on um, hi- hiatus. A couple weeks they're taking off, the going off to upfronts in New York and having fun. And they're, you guys are stuck in that office um, pulling the visual effects together for season two, correct? Yeah, that, that is correct. Oh, well, Brooke, you answer this. You go. Oh, don't worry, I got it. Yeah, so basically, uh, all of production has gone on hiatus, and uh, visual effects and uh, editorial are the only people in the building right now. Um, and right now, uh, Seth has been in the office for the last two weeks uh, editing. Uh, but the, the whole idea of having this hiatus was to basically be able to get in front of the visual effects a little bit more. Um, the sheer scope of what we're doing here is, is, is immense. Uh, I think that, you know, the, the homie who wrote that book that basically Jeff. said, yeah, Jeff, what's his Bond? Jeff Bond, uh, you know, saying that, you know, we're creating a movie a week. This is, this is true. This is exactly what we're doing. I mean, you know, back when I was working at Bad Robot, we did uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, and I was the visual effects supervisor on that. And again, Brandon was my digital effects supervisor on that show. And we ended up doing, I think it was uh, 200, or how many shots did we do for that? 290 shots times four, because we redid, we redid it a couple times. Total shot count was, you know, around, probably around three to 400 shots for that. And that was a, that's a, an hour and uh, two-hour movie and, you know, we're doing a 43-minute with uh, vis- the visual effects counts on our uh, each episode. And season one was averaging around about in between 400 to 500 shots. Uh, so we are, uh, you know, we are really against the gun when we're doing this thing. So the idea of the hiatus was really to give visual effects a little bit more time and to give Seth time because... Uh, Seth needs time to edit this stuff. He really, really is involved with all the editorial on the, the, the show, and he spends a lot of time in the edit, just getting the the uh, you know the show to be exactly what he wants. And then you know we can't really we can't really do anything except concept work until the show is locked. Um, and then once it's locked, that's when we can really get going. But we use this time right now in the hiatus to kind of really kind of get all of our, our, our ducks in a row so when it's time to go, we're 100% ready and we have a game plan and we have all of our, you know, the, the people who are going to do what shot, what, what visual effect or what, what vendor or what company does, uh, you know, particular visual effect better than the other. So it's like really we're using this time to actually uh, to set our strategy for the entire season while Seth finishes up his edit. But, you know, we should, by the end of this hiatus, end up with at least, I don't know, they're, they're est- estimating in between uh, four to five episodes edited that we can then be turned over and be working on the visual effects while we go into our next shooting schedule. And then our last hiatus is where we wrap up the rest of the episodes as far as editing goes, and then we move on to uh, visual effects. It's lonely in the building right now. Yeah, and also, you know, if you think of scope, if season one was a microcosm of what we do, season two is going to be far more, uh, far more effects, and I think it's going to be a bigger season than season one ever really encompassed. And I think now that we've hit our stride from a look and a design, um, the look of the show, the look of the effects, you know, you can kind of see the evolution through season one where we're finding the right people for the right, you know, shots. 
we're now at the point where we've got kind of our main crew and we've got our look kind of nailed down, so we're able to iterate in a way that will make the quality level of uh, Season two's effects, you know, really, really something um, that's a, a bar above what we had in Season 1, which yes. is something I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I'm glad that you brought up that the point of this hiatus was to give uh, Seth a, an opportunity to, you know, get the edits, get the episodes that are in the supposedly in the can now, you know, uh, streamlined, finished up, and to give you guys the opportunity to get a, a, ahead on the visual effects because fans of fans of the Orville, the kinds of fans that they are, or we are, you know, we. When we hear hiatus, there's a lot of speculation going on. It's like, oh, no, the show's doomed, or there's problems, or all this. But this is all part of the game plan, correct? Yeah, that was planned since the first week. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, any any kind of, like, speculation like that is, you know, I've got to say, that's that's completely, it's, it's far out there, to be quite honest. I mean, you know, I, I, I've, I've worked on many, many projects, and this is one project where, you know, when we were doing season one, it was the studio you know, definitely seemed to be a little bit hesitant here and there. But this season, um, there's absolutely no hesitation. There's no hesitation from the studio. They've now, they now have an idea of what Seth is trying to create, what we are trying to create for Seth. So there is this, this kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're backing their, their, their horse. Uh, they're really, really kind of like engaged, and they're really into you know, kind of like making this exactly what Seth wants to, to do. And without the hiatus uh, in the last season, uh, towards the last six months of last year, uh, I mean, you know, we were here seven days a week, uh, 14 hours a day, uh, and Seth was right here with us because, you know, as soon as we were done shooting and we were into post on this show, we were just, you know, down to the wire because we were, we were literally, by the time that we, you know, sometimes got an edit, we had less than 12 days to do the entire visual effects for an entire episode. And it became so challenging that there was some things that, uh, you know, I wasn't happy with and that we're so up against these deadlines that I think that the studio really, really took notice of that and realized that like, Oh, hang on, this isn't the way that we're going to be able to do this show. So cut to season two, there's definitely a little bit of uh, the blinders have been taken off and the studio really, really is backing this horse and uh, they understand it now. And I think that when you create a show like the Orville, or be it even, you know, Star Trek Discovery, not so much Star Trek Discovery because it's already a, it has a foundation. It has a foundation of what it is. Whereas the Orville, it doesn't. It does not have a foundation. It's something that we're, we're throwing out into the ether and hoping that it, it picks up enough looks that people really, really, you know, engage with it. But the thing is, it's, you know, it's hard to build an entire universe, uh, you know, in such a short amount of time. And it was, uh, that's why this season two, I'm like, like Brandon was saying, the, the scripts are much bolder and uh, they're, they're, they're much more, um, you know, kind of like the bigger, uh, the, everything that's happening in there is just more compelling. And um, even down to the, you know, and I even, you know, talked to uh, David Goodman about this, is uh, how impressed I was with the writing in season two. It was, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's scripts in season two where I literally would read the first page and I, would, I, I literally could not stand 
until I had flipped through the whole thing and read the whole thing and understood and got a really good understanding of it. Really strong. Yeah, the storytelling is just so strong. We found our stride, I think, around episode eight, which uh, actually, to give you guys an anecdote, speaking of something Luke had brought up about our deadlines, there was something that a lot of fans had pointed out that uh, I caught uh, in the show that was something that we literally, the reason why it made it through to final airing was due to the deadline, which was uh, we had... uh, when they got in the shuttle, uh, it was shuttle number two for the crash landing on the set, and the textures we had for the shuttle was always ECV shuttle one. So there's an episode where people pointed out, oh, hey, it's shuttle two, but then when they go to the CG, it goes to shuttle one. And the reason was, by the time we caught that, we were so far down the pipeline that we just didn't literally have the time to re-render the frames to swap the texture out. Um, and so, you know, things like that, like the, the typical kind of, like, edits er- or errors you'll see, are things that we actually caught quite a few of them in the show, and we just didn't have the time to go through and fix it. And, you know, we also didn't really have the luxury uh, with how quickly we had to wrap out season one um, to go back in and do things like revisit shots for, you know, like a Blu-ray or things like that. So those, you know, those little errors, especially that shuttle one, it bugs me to no end because I caught it. I was like, well, you need to fix the shuttle number. Yeah, and there, there's a, and you know, Brandon and myself, uh, you know, we we normally are only working on features. You know, when we were at uh, Bad Robot, you know, we must we we did so many feature films over there, and it was absolutely fantastic. But the level of uh, quality and the level of the critiquing that Brandon and I do on these shots is 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 very very high level and it, it was absolutely some of the some of the shots that purely based on our our deadline it was it was very hard for us to sometimes let them go and the only reason they we had to let them go is because it was airing that night and we literally had to get it to out to broadcast and it was uh you know but there was definitely you know, uh, uh, until we got into our stride in the first season, uh, there was some very, very, a couple of episodes which I would consider rocky. Uh, however, a, a normal viewer may not even notice these things, but these are things that, to me and to Brandon and to Brooke, these are the things that we're constantly looking for, trying to uh, make better and really, really, you know, uh, you know, not let these things happen. And this season, I believe that we've set ourselves up with, especially because of the you know, the, the way that they've kind of, you know, constructed the season with the hiatuses and the little breaks and giving Seth enough time, not having to kill himself every weekend to work on weekends and, you know, do that. Uh, it, it's putting us in a much better position that, that, that these little things that we encountered in season one, they won't happen again because, yeah, we're very, you know, we know about them and we never want to do that again because it, it, it does to... A visual effects supervisor and then Brandon, my it, it it hurts. It hurts to see effects go out that you're like, oh my god, that is eighty percent done. Yeah, it really like like one good example is um, you know we we uh, can I talk about the pilot? Yeah, I can talk about the pilot. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just you're laughing at me. Well, I didn't uh, want to point out any of the bad stuff so people would look at it. <laughs> well, they can they can look at the bad stuff. I'd rather just talk about the bad stuff as like an ether, and if they find it, you want to No, no, no. Go ahead. Go. Ahead. So, so we had we had early on um, we were working on the Krill Destroyer, which uh, if you see the original promos for the uh, show was a completely different ship than uh, what ended up being in the show. And uh, a lot of that was because we were going through the typical design iteration, and there was a there was a version of the ship that Favreau 
really liked, which was the one that was in the teaser promos before the show aired. And then there was the uh, the one that ended up being what became the Krill uh, Destroyer that we use in the show. And we had literally, like, I think less than a week to re-render the entire sequence and get that thing with the modified ship. And it still bugs me because the shaders look so bad. But, you know, hey, we, we swapped out the design. It became part of the design ethos for the Krill moving forward. And um, there's a, you know, in the future of the show, there's going to be ghosts of a lot of really interesting things that, you know, metastasized into some cool designs that you'll start to see on the show moving into season two. I guess just being, like, being the rookie on season two, I think this hiatus is actually it's very healthy for the entire team. Um, it seems that during... Season one, everybody was just go, 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 and, you know, of course, set, like, you know, set is shooting, and everybody's eyes on set, everybody's eyes on the actors, everybody's eyes on makeup, hair, um, you know, environment, and then, you know, it felt like visual effects, which makes the entire show is kind of, you know, we're in a dark corner of, like, however often we can potentially get some feedback, we can get it, but, you know, of course, we're post, so fix it in post was very much alive. Um, so, <laughs> with this hiatus, you know, it, it helps just kind of bring life back to our show so that, you know, everybody's refreshed, our makeup team, our hair team, um, costumes, set, you know, yeah, our camera team, everybody is totally, you know, rested up and they can, you know, give that awesome performance for the next, you know, section of the show. Um, you know, granted, we are kind of lonely over here, but we're definitely not bored. You know, Brandon's been cranking out so many different fun, cool things for the season. Um, Luke's been doing lots of you know, supervising with our in-house team and between Brandon and helping creating those worlds and those effects. So I think it's really going to give it a great 2.0 taste with a little bit of, you know, freshness because everybody has gotten the chance to really, like, put eyes on each aspect of the show. And I think that's something that, you know, kind of got skipped over last season because we were a new group. So we're definitely 2.0 yet out, and it's going to be, you know, even bigger and better than it was last season. It hopefully continues to grow that way. Was there a sigh of relief and, and high fives all about when you found out the other week that, hell, you guys got three more months to get shit to get done? <laughs> oh, you guys know about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I don't say it's a sigh of relief. I think it's more of a, like, oh, geez. It goes hand in hand. We're excited for, you know, more time to make it even better. But, you know, with more time there's also more thought that goes into it. So we're kind of like, yeah, but also like, we're just so excited to potentially get going that we're like, ah, oh, man, there's that like, you know, power behind the metal is, or, you know, gas to the pedal is not as forceful as it was before. But, you know, that's just because we're jealous that we haven't gotten our hands dirty yet. <laughs> um, but, you know, as we go, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. And we're excited to spend more time to make it the better show um, that we can at the best of our abilities. All right, so hiatuses and mid-season starts just adds in to make the Orville uh, 2.0, as you say, even better than we were expected or could hope for. I think that's the general thought of it. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be, you know, everything that, you know, we heard the fans last season. We want it, we want it to be even more than it was, so... I think it's going to help everybody just, you know, get that breath of fresh air, get it going, and be top-notch. <laughs> think, of it, think of it from a logical perspective, though, which is, you know, if, if you're starting with something that's a blank canvas and starting to figure out your form language from a design aesthetic and from an overall aesthetic, you know, you don't really have much in the way of 
a precedent. So you're kind of building rules, not just in the show, but in like the look of the show. And once you've kind of established that feel of it, then you can kind of start to see where you want to go with it. You know, I remember when we were doing the JJ Trek stuff um, years ago, it was the same kind of conceit. It's like, you know, there you had something to build on, but it's, you have to do something different, you know, like the lens flare bridge. And uh, God, I did too many of those. But anyway, um, take the Orville and you move it forward. You know, we have a look now. We, we have something that we know is an aesthetic that Seth likes that kind of fits the general conceit of the show. So iterating on it is really, you know, a lot easier because the rules have been defined. And so that means even when it comes to doing a shift design, if, if I'm building something out, I'll show it to Luke and I'll be like, okay, does this feel like something that's, you know, race X or race Y? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that works. You know, and we tend to work with, um, I, at least, you know, the thing I like to do is I like to go to Joseph and uh, Brian and props and just kind of, you know, look into and see what they're doing with design. And we all kind of share sketches and images before things go. Um, most of the time I end up beating them to the punch. <laughs> and then they kind of have to iterate based on what I do. But, uh, yeah, but you know, that's, that's a really good point that Brandon was just actually bringing up there. Is This is one of, this is one of the productions, uh, the Orville, where, you know, the pro production design, art department, the props master who, you know, uh, they're often designing a lot of props, uh, wardrobe, uh, you know, Every, one, every department in this entire thing, even down to editorial and all the other departments, we are constantly talking to each other. We're constantly sharing uh, bits and pieces of artwork. We're, we're constantly talking about stuff. And, you know, like, for instance, someone, you know, from any one of the departments may read something in the script and be like, what do you guys think of this? What do you think this is? And we'll, Brandon and I will just be like, we think it's this. And we'll just spout out what we think it is because kind of that's the idea that we kind of would go with, and, you know, nine times out of ten, everyone's, you know, kind of like, you know, we're doing this for all departments, they're coming to us, we're going to them. It's a really, really uh, creative uh, group between departments, which is somewhat unheard of, uh, especially on, um, you know, like these quick, you know, turnaround type TV shows, uh, and, and, you know, even features, like, you know, very rarely as the visual effects supervisor do I get to sit and talk with the production designer because, you know, by the time that the production designer is done with his work, that's when we come in to shoot the film and then the production designer is gone. But working on the Orville, you know, Stephen Lineweaver and his uh, production team and his art department, they're all here all the time, apart from the two weeks on hiatus. They've yeah. got two weeks off. They have two weeks off. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny, like, speaking of what Luke's saying, you know, the thing that also happens is, like, I work with... Uh, Kit and Lex and all the designers and Steven and, uh, you know, we kind of hit a rhythm where, like, you know, the exterior of a lot of the ship designs are handled by our department and the interior of those ship designs are handled by theirs and construction. So it always ends up becoming an interesting thing because we hybridize a lot. Like, I'll send rough, uh, low-resolution poly shells of some of the ship designs or some of the form language and then we'll just kind of go back and forth with what they're doing in SketchUp and what I'm doing in Maya ZBrush and kind of roll through it and kind of iterate the designs in a way, which is why the, uh, so the exterior of the Krill shuttle, for example, in season one, and the interior cockpit, you know, match the topology in a way that, you know, you can actually kind of see what derives what. Uh, same thing with the Union shuttle. You know, there, there's a lot of, uh, we had an issue in season one where, you know, we realized pretty quickly that you can't dock the Union shuttle to anything flush. 
there's no doors on the side to kind of do a flush mount. So um, Luke and I were chatting, and we came up with this idea of the accordion piece that kind of comes out and allows it to flush mount, pitched it to Steven. And then so they built a physical prop piece for when it's connected and uh, based on a slat design that I kind of threw together. And then uh, we, you know, facilitated the CG part of it so that it all kind of was harmonious. And that was one of the really good examples of blending it, you know. And so much as, like, even the back end of the shuttle, uh, the LED strips and make up the two kind of, like, uh, quantum vent, quantum uh, engines, uh, Luke ended up 3D printing uh, the pieces that are the separators in between it and giving it to construction. So yeah. we'll, we'll 3D print stuff quite a bit and, like, stick it on, on the physical models. Well, uh, that was something that when, when I was working at uh, Bad Robot with Brandon and, uh, you know, we were designing the ships for uh, the ship for 10 Cloverfield Lane and the alien for uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, one of the ways that we were able to kind of speed up the process of design was uh, Brandon introduced me to 3D printing about, you know, probably about, you know, I'd say like five years ago. And from that day on, I found that any time that I'm trying to present anything, be it, uh, you know, some of the new ships for season two to Seth or whatever, the success rate of someone holding a three-dimensional object and, you know, kind of asking themselves, does this make a good toy? Would a kid play with this? Would I play with this if I was a kid? Was so helpful in kind of really getting us to, from point A to point B in a much, much, much faster, uh, you know, time period than just kind of like, you know, oh, here's a silhouette sketch or here's a 3D model that, you know, kind of, you know, you, you, if you look at it, it's, it's, but if you have it and you have it in your hand and it's tangible, it's so much easier to understand what you're, what you're looking at. And that's, no, uh, right. that has been a fan. Yeah, let me jump in here. I can vouch for that because when I, I was, I met uh, you guys, I was uh, snuck onto the lot in mid-February and... <laughs> Ah, you were the guy. <laughs> and what you're talking about uh, exactly, and I won't, you know, I won't spoil anything. But yeah, you handed me those 3D prints of some some really cool look, fucking looking ships. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh yeah, especially my baby, which is a season two ship. Yeah, I wish I could talk about, but I can't. And yeah, and and you, that point is exactly right. And it, it worked out so much better than. You know, looking at a sketch or looking at you know something on the monitor. You know, not not that what you know Brandon was showing me on the monitor wasn't cool, but you know to hold <laughs> no, that, to hold that twin head. And right then and there, I'm looking like God, I want this as a Christmas tree ornament. Um, <laughs> right. So yeah, no, that works perfect, and I, I agree with you 100. percent And it's exactly I could see how that would definitely speed up things where you can hold something in your hand and just turn it and look around at it you know and physically you know because when we say hey we want to see something we want to just touch it too so yeah yeah i've yeah. with jj you know i started 3d printing about 13 years ago uh, i was one of the first people i think in the industry to ever really do it to the point where um i had tippet studios i had um sony disney quite a few people calling a lot of people asking like how are you how are you getting prints of this quality you know we started doing the original cloverfield and, uh, you know, the, the conceit was to not only just do prop iterations, but to help hold design. Because the best way you can kind of get someone to approve a design is to let them physically see it, touch it, move it around, look at it. You know, we print out pretty much all of the, the mostly hero ships now in miniature. And, you know, we use it not only to uh, 
see how cool they are to put it in your hands, so to speak, but also there's a practical reason. You know, you can sit there and, you know, be like a kid playing with ships and going, this ship flies like this. It actually helps the director, staff, Luke, everybody kind of plot a shot, talk to the previous people, because you can hold them up and you can kind of play, like, you know, cops and robbers with them. You, you can kind of create shots and, you know, drop it down your iPhone and take some shots and kind of create angles and start to really see how things work in the round. And when you're dealing with something like space, which is, you know, multidimensional, it's easy to kind of start seeing how things move in a volume and having those physical props really, really helps. And it's something I've always done and I will probably continue to do for the foreseeable future. Yeah. All right. Let's look back at season one. Uh, we talked about the shuttle. The shuttle is used a lot. Um, yeah. And you've talked about how you've had to, you know, um, do some modifications or do some adjustments to it. Do you kind of just wish he would, Seth would just go ahead and use goddamn teleporters so the sh- shuttle's not so often? Or do you, do you want to just sneak in and reuse shuttle shots over and over again? Um, well, the thing is, is like, you know, obviously the, the reuse thing is very attractive, attractive to, you know, the, 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 the guys who are watching the budget. Uh, they, they love that, that you can reuse a shot. Uh, Brandon and I hate that. We, we, we really don't like that at all. However, I, I see the, the necessity for it. But to be quite honest, um, in episode five, man, I sound like a geek. In episode five, in episode five, when Priya shows up, uh, Charlize Theron, um, at the end of the episode, she teleports in, and then she teleports off. Uh, she, they have the access, they have the ability to have that technology. They have the ability to. But they don't. They don't take it because Seth is definitely doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to, you know, feel like he has to be in a rut like the original uh, Star Trek is. You know, the whole reason why they actually came up with the teleportation is purely based on the fact that they didn't have enough money to do shuttle shots and do these shuttle shots, and they didn't have the technology at the time to do them. So, to me, I really like them. Uh, but... I do agree with you guys a little bit that at some point, how many times can you see a shuttle come and go from the Orville uh, in a new and mag- you know majestic way? Now, we do spend a lot of time coming up with new methodologies, new shots, new ways to have this shuttle depart and enter the Orville, but it is one of those things that it, it, it is very, you know, like, you know, how long will that last? I, I, I'm not sure. I'm, you know, I'm not sure. It, it doesn't bother me as of right now, and I enjoy doing, you know, uh, the composition of these shots, and I really like doing them, but, you know, I agree with you. It might not, you know, it may, who knows, maybe down the road, David Goodman or, you know, Andre or Seth, maybe they'll write something in where they, they are, they're able to get that technology, but I think it would take something away from the, the whole kind of, I don't know, a little it's bit of a... different than Star Trek. Yeah, and, it, and it's a bit of a throwback, and I like that. I like the idea of, like, yes, we've advanced so far, but there's limits to our, how far we have advanced, and it gives the story a little bit of room to advance even well, further if necessary. We've also shown in our show that the technology is possible with the Kelly episode, with the future race that come in through teleportation, through, you know, transporting in. On episode, yeah. In the Kelly episode, remember the, uh, the, the Isaac goes to the planet. And oh, the, the season place, finale. The, the phase, and they teleport in, yeah. Oh yeah. And we have done a transporter-like effect for one episode, but they're like so future ahead of us yeah. technology-wise that it's kind of one of those things that, like you can say in the world. No. I know too much about this. 
It's also interesting about like the shuttle. The other thing that I always have to remind people on set is uh, when you're looking out the shuttle bay, you're seeing the center quantum ring. Because sometimes the director's like, oh, yeah, it's going to fly straight in. I'm like, no, it's going to hit a ring. Yeah, it's going to come over from the top. It's going to go over the speed bump, which is the center quantum ring. Yeah, so it's, you know, even when they're framing shots and talking to Marvin, what I've been doing this season is actually have a digital double set of the uh, Orville shuttle bay with the Orville connected to it so we can actually look and virtually see what kind of the shots are going to be before we actually start putting them on the crane. And it helps quite a bit inform, you know, how we're going to do the angles this time around. I think it also adds another location, so we're not just stuck on the Orville all the time or on a planet. Like, you get you get to experience that adventure to get to a new planet or get to where the next destination is or how we're going to save the heroes. So it really just adds another layer of, you know, awesomeness to the show without just being like, whoop, here we are, saved you, whoop, yeah, we're back to the world. All right. Oh, I, I, I agree. The writer in me, you know, feels that cell phones and the internet have killed drama and suspense in movies and television because <laughs> it was so back, it was so, everything was so much more dramatic and suspenseful back in the days when you had to use a landline or had to wait till you got a newspaper to learn something. On the other line listening to you talking to all your friends. <laughs> yeah, so... You know, so not having not having technology, advanced technology handle everything adds helps helps with add to, add to the drama. I feel so. I'm all I'm all for the shuttles. Don't get me wrong. I'm just wondering if you guys are going. All right, we got to do the shuttle again. <laughs> no, I haven't either. Because every time that I I do get a chance to you know and, and definitely you know I want to make something you know clear that. You know, yes, I, I design most of the shots for the show, but Brandon designed a hell of a lot of shots also. And he, again, playing off his, his strengths and sometimes my weaknesses and vice versa, you know, he'll present me some, like, a new way to get in and out of the shuttle. And, you know, again, with the 3D models or the 3D uh, prints that we have, you know, we're running around the office with our fingers open like a camera chasing the Orville or pretending to, you know, do something with it. So we're always kind of thinking about new ways to get the shuttle in. So as of now, I'm looking at it as a, another opportunity to do a really, really cool shot as opposed to like, ah, we're in the shuttle again. No, That's the trick i got to find out with the, uh, with the Orville is it doesn't really shoot well from the bottom. We have to find a new, unique way. Like, i got to find the right lens to shoot that thing. But, yeah. Yeah, Sorry, if, I get distracted. If you're, if, no if you guys are ever um, chasing each other through the office uh, with models of the ships, film that shit and send it yeah. to us, and we will definitely put it that, out. Absolutely not. <laughs> that is, absolutely that's normally not. a door closed type situation. <laughs> yeah, we have to preserve some professionalism because you know there was already. And, it, and, and, you know, and if it, if it, if it, if it helps really, you know, imagine this, you know, Brandon and I running around the office, is, you know, He's don't, don't, don't think that, like, you know, Seth hasn't been handed the models and we've done camera moves with Seth as well. So <laughs> <laughs> Now, I don't know how many of the scripts you've seen for season two, um, but is there something that you, and without giving anything away, obviously, is there something that you've discovered that, is just making you guys mouths water have, that you're salivating over that you cannot wait to tackle some sort of effect or a visual design that's going to be, you know, your money shot for season two that you just can't wait to get, get your hands on. Yeah. Uh, you know, Oh my God. Like I was saying, the, the writing, uh, to me and the, the you know, I, I'm a, I'm a big sci-fi nerd and I love the writing of, you know, all the writers, but 
this season, I mean, there is probably, I've got to say, equally, there's about five episodes where I am unbelievably excited to do. There is the rest of them I am excited to do, but these <laughs> other ones, oh my goodness, they are they are going to be something. They are going to be absolutely something to talk about. I, I really am looking forward to them. And, uh, you know, because we are, you know, we have to create things so far in advance, we, we do get a lot of access to early, early drafts of the script, just so we can get our head wrapped around some of the visual effects. So as of now, we have all the scripts, we've read all the scripts, and, you know, we, we just, we know all the stories. So, yeah, there's, 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 Five events that happened throughout this season that, to me, are absolutely monumental. And being that you <laughs> you stated that you know you're sci-fi nerd yourself, I know I think when I was in there, uh, Brandon, we were talking about how uh, you added uh, what was it uh, something from the Nostromus from Alien on oh, one of the ships. Of the... Yeah. yeah, that was on the back of the ship. That was the one um, thing I said to Luke. <laughs> Can I put the Nostromo engines on the back of the Bioship as like a blatant ripoff? And he's like, sure, and then we never show it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Nostromo and, and, and you know, Alien and Aliens, uh, these are very, very large contributors to my sci-fi kind of like, you know, design aesthetic. So when we got the opportunity to do a ship like that, you know, and Brandon was like, oh, my God, I think that this is somewhat like the Nostromo. And I'm like, no, make it the Nostromo. It's so awesome. And we always knew that we were never going to shoot it from behind, and we were always going to shoot it from kind of the front because it was a ship that was adrift, and it really wasn't, you know, it wasn't going anywhere in a hurry. It was really just drifting along, and it was about to run into a, a star or what have you. But we, we kind of strategically planted it so we didn't really show off the back end. But, you know, in reality, yeah, we, we, we really made it look like the Nostromo from underneath. If you were in the back of it looking underneath, it looked like the whole back end of the Nostromo. But that's a tribute. Yeah. It, no, it really is. It really is for the, you know, just for the, you know, the amount of love that we have for these films. It's the only ship in the entire show that has anything like that on it. Everything else is kind of unique. Yeah. Like, so, you know, it was, the one, it was the one ship that was kind of all greebled up and, you know, had this giant scale. And, uh, you know, we were trying to say it was pre-quantum drive, so there was no quantum technology in it, hence why it moved so slowly. And so that was the only time I kind of, like, really wanted to play with some sort of homage piece. Um, everything else is based upon realities. Like, the Krill ships, for example, have split quantum rings because um, that's just how their technology is. It's inefficient. The gases don't really, you know, it doesn't really work quite right. The Orville and the Union fleets are always clean. The Mocklins are going to be clean by extension because, you know, even though their planet is polluted, they're designers of a lot of the weaponry, so, you know, they'd be designing kind of some of the quantum technology in my mind. You know, that's not written in anything, but that's just kind of how I approach it. And then other races kind of have variations on a theme, you know. So when we when we start getting into it, it's like how how do they approach quantum? How does their technology kind of work with it? Things like that. How how being the, being the sci-fi nerds that you are, how thrilling and how exciting is it to be able to build this sort of universe and build do this world building and and uh, creating things for other people to play in your sandbox? It's so boring and horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 incredible. Um, it really is. Um, you know, I, you know, coming up in my career, it was, it was always one of those things where, you know, 
I, I didn't have that much input in the visual effects. It was more along the lines of like, you know, make you know widget A fit into widget B. Boom, you're done. Now you know that I've been you know ever since I did Cosmos and you know back in the day the the it, it's really opened you know a lot of of my creativity up and it's it's absolutely amazing especially you know when given the opportunity to do the Orville. It, to me, it was a no-brainer that I was going to do it purely based on the fact that this is a brand new world, and you know, the the design in which we're putting forward to Seth and the designs that Seth is approving and things like that. These are all bits and pieces of all of our you know imagination. So you know, creating a world was unbelievably hard and challenging, just purely based on the amount of time that we spent on it before we even started shooting uh, season one. But it is something that I'm absolutely, like, every day I, you know, come to work thinking, like, wow, I get to do this? Are you kidding? It's, it's amazing. Yeah, and it's really cool to, like, I don't know, be a part of the history of the sci-fi, like, generations and just making these new worlds and bringing them to life and just knowing that, you know, hey, this is really just replication of, you know, Brandon and Luke changing each other around the office, but now it's super cool and, you know, everybody's trying to, figure out, like, where it's at and how it, you know, dates back to previous episodes. It's just really cool to be a part of the creative process with the team and just see these guys' ideas and concepts honestly come to life into the stories that they tell. Just to be clear, it's not chasing, it's practical <laughs> previews. <laughs> practical previews around. <laughs> All right, now I'll ask you the same question when we talk again after season two, but what from season one that you guys created visually are you most proud of? Um, for me, uh, I would say it was, oh, I mean, there was bits and pieces throughout the, uh, throughout the season that I was very, very happy with. But my favorite episode and my favorite kind of like bit of business was the um, uh, Plasma Storm, or I, I believe it was the, the episode was called Firestorm. It was uh, episode 10. Uh, it was just really one of those things where, like, you know, in the script it reads that the crew looks down at, you know, Alora as she's, you know, running around the, the simulator. And it was like, well, how the hell are we going to do that? Like, you know, and then, you know, slowly but surely we started coming up with methodology. We started thinking of, like, doing it, like, where she's running on a treadmill, and then we basically comp her back in and what have you. But the plasma storm and what was happening in the plasma storm and, and actually getting a chance to really destroy the Orville for the first time, which it was really, really something that I was, you know, completely stoked on doing. It was just, it was, for me, that was a, a, the, 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 uh, the biggest, or the, the thing that turned up the, the best in the, the season. I'm obsessed with all the new ships, so which, what was I excited about in season one? I can't remember. Well, you like, I like come in love with all these. You movies. were definitely excited about the fire ship, and I, yeah. I, I was excited about that too. Yeah, I guess the fire ship. Yeah. Nowadays, like the new stuff coming down the pipe, man. Gosh, so much more fun. <laughs> like the old, the one stuff out there. You've seen it. The season two <laughs> stuff is coming, and it's so much. Like I like. Right into like season one, old new season two. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not trying to be like you know, like trying to force anything, but like it's you, you, you came over, you saw some of the new stuff, so you get why I'm excited. Yeah. That's when, I think, that's when I think, like, the kitty gloves got to come off and we got to, like, actually really push the boundaries of the show in a good way that's iterative. And, like, I really like some of the new stuff. And, yeah, and hand in hand, that's the same 
you know, the, the writers and set. We're all yeah. on the same page. The We're all like, like that. Yeah. all right, let's turn it to 11 in this season and, you know, like see what we get because, and that's exactly kind of like, you know, the way we're going so far. All right, well, I, I'm pumped, Joe. You got anything else? Um, well, no, I just wanted to say that uh, you, know, you guys are a, a milestone episode for us. You are actually our 20th podcast episode. We have no parting you, uh, for it, you. You, I, I, you can have a sticker I if you can steal one yeah, from I Tom. I stickers when I was there. <laughs> I put your sticker on my computer, so the computer is designing all the ships, has, uh, has a planetary union... I have your planetary sticker actually on the back of my uh, iPhone. I haven't earned a sticker yet. <laughs> and uh, right. yeah, Tom's Tom's got a stack of them in his office. Go bug Tom. No, it has to come from you. It can't come from Tom. That's like secondhand giving. You can't do that. All right. All right. I, right on. Yeah. All right, Brooke. Brooke, when you get a letter from me in the mail, it's not some creepy stalker thing. It's just your the sticker showing up. Okay, only if you sign it, not a creepy stalker. We'll be good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. You've definitely got us pumped for the season two, or as you guys are calling it, Orville uh, 2.0. Brooke's calling it back. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I'm going to back Brooke up on that. This is a 2.0. This is going to be a, you know, think of it as a, you know, a OS release that's going to, you know, it's going to tighten up a lot of, Processing. <laughs> I consider it 4.0 just because the Orville's on what I consider version 4. Yeah, that's true. Where this is the version 4 version is definitely higher fidelity. 2.0 is sexier, so. All right, fine. We'll go, we'll, go with, we'll go with what the two of them say, but the, the Orville itself is still 4. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I internally version everything. <laughs> it's just my life. I'm, I'm uh, the butt of the joke, so. So are we getting are we getting any special are we getting any special bonus stuff on the Blu-ray when it comes out when it comes to visual effects? You know what? I don't know. Um, I really haven't had anything to do with the mastering for the Blu-ray or the even if it is DVD. Um, I would I would I would probably think that there's going to be a couple of things, but I, I haven't been approached by anyone. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll just take some of the breakdowns we did for our you know Emmy submission. Um, and put that in there. That would be neat to show, you know, so you could actually see, you know, how much, you know, work actually goes into, you know, kind of what we do. And I'm sure that you guys are very smart and you, you, you've seen how much goes into these visual effects shots. But, uh, you know, we have uh, the plasma storm had upwards of 158 different layers uh, just to create the storm. And then on top of that, all the Orville and then all the, you know, visual effects that were, uh, you know, the, the lightning, the, the stuff that was affecting the Orville, that's even a, an additional uh, ton of elements. It's, uh, it's an immense amount of work, and it's, uh, you know, it is uh, crazy. All right, fine, fine. If I could give you an Emmy, I would. <laughs> oh, you guys are the best. I, you know what? I'm going to go home and tell my wife that. I'm like, hey, the Planetary Union guys gave us Emmys. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for this. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, uh, feel free to reach out to us later on in the season, maybe mid, uh, you know, three quarters of the way through. We can redo it, do whatever, oh, you know. Yeah. And, be, and, I, and I plan on uh, being on the lot up again. I don't know when, but relatively soon, probably in the next couple of weeks once, hi once the hiatus is over. Oh, we should totally come by and see some of the new 3D prints. I'll be yeah, there. Come by. Definitely come by the, the visual effects department because 
we've also got a we've, we've just hooked up a huge monitor in the, uh, the the general area that is constantly just playing all of the concept work of everything that we're doing for season two. So it's a you know, granted, no photos, but you can put your eyeballs on it, and it'll be uh, pretty fantastic. Yeah, no, yeah, I just gotta like in the next couple of weeks or so, I'll be up there. So I look forward to seeing you guys and chatting with you again. Awesome. Yay. All right. Thanks a lot. You're welcome, guys. Bye. Bye. And as usual, we further confirm that the Orville really has the nicest and best people working on that show. Oh, and yeah, you heard me right. I know that this is labeled as episode 19, but we did have that Thanksgiving special with Andre Bormanis, so that does make this officially our 20th episode of the podcast. All right, in other news, if you haven't been living under a rock, you already know that from the Fox upfronts that season 2 will be premiering on December 30th after an NFL doubleheader. Then it's going to be moving back to Thursdays in January. So we have a little bit longer to wait, but it will be well worth it. All right, let's briefly talk about speculation. There are a lot of theories out there, and we're sorry that we just can't chime in and tell you if you're right or wrong. We do get asked that a lot, but we, we had, simply have to ignore it. But really, guys, we can't wait to share everything we do know with you as the new season unfolds. All right, uh, so if you're not already, follow us on Twitter at Planetary underscore Union. On Facebook, find us at Planetary Union Network, and go check out our awesome new website at planetaryunion.net. As always, keep hugging those donkeys. Sorry, Dan. I, I-, I have to. I'm sorry.